This episode of the podcast has been brought to you by Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is an inclusive, socially conscious PR collective that puts their money where their mouth is. They have a current roster of bands that reads like a greatest hits anthology. Brainiac, Catholic School, Jawbox, The New Amsterdams, Oceans in the Sky. I mean, the list goes on and on. They also do PR for record labels such as A La Carte, Arctic Rodeo, Steadfast, Rad Girlfriend, and so many more. How do they pay it forward? How do they put their money where their mouth is? By generating thousands of dollars in annual charitable donations to the likes of Women in Vinyl, Coalition of Communities of Color, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and many, many more. The man has the receipts. I've seen them. It is real. The artists, labels, and podcasts Sweet Cheetah works with are curated with an eye on working primarily with friends. You could find Sweet Cheetah on all of the social media platforms, be it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look for Sweet Cheetah PR and they will be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. I would. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I am still here. Tonight on the podcast, it is my distinct pleasure to give to you Jesse Luscious, Jesse Blatz, Mr. Jesse Townley. Jesse was the vocalist of Blatz, the group's the criminals. Of course, there was the Frisk, and now we have the Scene Killers. Their new album, Beat Beat Beat, is now available on Lava Sox Records, and you could find it there. You could find it on Interpunk. You could find it basically anywhere that sells cool records. Now on to Jesse. Jesse was a member of the Green Party, was on the Berkeley Rent Board. He helped run Lookout Records. He helped run Alternative Tentacles. Um, he mutilated himself on stage at a Fugazi show. This is a guy that has legitimately run the gamut of fame and infamy uh, in the greater sphere of punk rock, that is. Uh, but also just being this incredible character who has a radio show and... and puts himself out there in a really um, succinct way. He's someone you want to be around because he's that magnetic, he's that intelligent, and he's that much fun to listen to, be it in music, be it on the radio, be it public speaking. Uh, this is just one of those people that is truly magnetic, truly... Uh, charismatic, someone you just can't help but be captivated by. I spent the entirety of our conversation in awe of this guy and, you know, what he's given to me since 1990, when my young years first glommed on to what he was putting out there. I don't want to get too deep into the minutia because you're going to hear it from Jesse's mouth in a minute, so I just want to take this opportunity 
to let you know that you can now become a subscriber to the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Come to my Instagram, to my Facebook, or to wherever you listen to this podcast at. There will be a link where you can go to subscribe to the podcast. You, In turn, you will receive one episode per month that no one else gets to hear but our subscribers. You also get the compilation soundtrack of Season 1 containing artists from Season 1 of the podcast plus a couple uh, special surprises. Um, And as a bonus, you get to shop at a store that no one else but our subscribers will have access to. More on that soon. But just to let you know, it's happening. We're taking that next step. I hope you take that step with us. I hope this sounds good to you. With that being said, this is Jesse Townley on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm really sorry about yesterday. I am nothing if not a, a, a child-brained buffoon, uh, especially in uh, my advanced age. Having a three-year-old running around is kind of saps my uh, in- intellect and life energy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's absolutely no problem. But um, I'm sorry, I'm just setting something up while we're talking so I can... Anyway, um, before I'm even though I've been here three years, a lot of times I'm still doing math to figure out when the hell time happens. Yeah. When I do the go go to the U.S., especially because like I usually do go to the Pacific, so anything more east, I'm like okay, five hours, okay, east coast. But then like there's a a donut hole of time where we're in standard time versus summertime or vice versa and then suddenly it's a different time period yeah yeah it's yeah. It, it's that strange magic bullet um that kind of lets us all know that the clock means absolutely nothing yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> so are you still doing soapbox derby is that what you were working on today uh no actually no that's a great question that was at klx in berkeley this is for uh losing it with luscious it's a show on MMH radio here in uh, the Midlands in England. Um, and it's MMH radio, the home of rock radio. Nice. And I do a punk rock show there. Um, but I mean, punk rock can be anything from like, like t- tomorrow's show is going to have stuff from like uh, Bob Villain uh, to like bands like Esquilla Grant, Grind and uh, uh, my buddy Eric Dinwiddie, who was in uh, the Uptones, mm-hmm. like an old Berkeley ska band. Um, he has a new ska, three ska song signal out um, to like, you know, Ramones, Black Flag, Filth, whatever. Um, That's kind of the wonder of this uh, microcosm because you can get anyone from like your old, when you were on Lookout, anyone from, you know, Blatz to Neurosis on the same label you know it, it, it's 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 a beautiful you know kind of a diaspora of musical flavors um <clears throat> but uh i i have a very thin format i'll put it to you that way i legitimately base the entire podcast on one question and one question alone <laughs> okay should, that, are you gonna warn me or should i just wait for it i mean i, I can wait for it it's okay Okay. It, the question I posit is always this: uh, What is it that terrifies you on an existential level? Oh, all right. 
<laughs> because that is like the great equalizer. Uh, what we're most terrified of is what informs our personalities. That's a fascinating question. Um, are we doing the interview right now? Um, yeah, that's I kind of just I, I'm really like loosey goosey Fine. with it all, you know. All right, fair enough. So you want an answer now? Um, you could give it to me whenever. Okay. You could, you could you could think on it and we can move on. It's completely up to you. It's just it legitimately has uh, sparked some very strange and wonderful conversations with people from all stripes, like uh, the actor mm -hmm. from uh, the Vampire Diaries, who's also a punk musician, Michael Malarkey. I uh -huh. asked him that question and his answer was uh, living in this late stage capitalism that we're all sort of uh, witnessing. Uh, whereas I asked someone like uh, Chris Broach from Braid, who, you know, had just survived cancer at that point, and his fear had more to do with, you know, the great yawning maw of the void outside of the known universe. You sure. know, so it, it yeah, it gets. I, I can answer. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to. Hopefully, this will come out the way I want it to. <laughs> um, it's interesting you mentioned the great yawning void um i would say being my existence not having any meaning mm -hmm. there we go um and by which i mean not necessarily attaining some sort of immortality but when i first had people come up to me and say your music helped me through these incredibly tough times in my life, usually high school. <laughs> Shout out to the educational system. Right. Uh, that meant the world and more to me. Like it really, really, really did. Um, because I was like, okay, I have actually made a difference in someone else's very existence. And, um, and it was done in an artistic way quotes around artistic, but I think it, 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 it all counts. I'm kind of, I'm, I have a pretty broad, elastic definition of art, <laughs> even if I don't like it in particular. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's art. It sucks, but it's art. Anyway, the um, yeah, that was is probably what I would fear the most is not having any effect on or any mark left of me. Um, and in one way that's supreme, supremely narcissistic self-interested sure absolutely yeah but you know it's in existence and that's why you have all of these um tales of things like the matrix like what if we're all in a matrix and i'm the only person who is actually alive you know <laughs> i mean it's a very common human um go-to you know in terms of reactions and how we frame what we talk about and think about it, that's an interesting point too because like having that quote unquote narcissistic bent of it we we all are self-interested to a degree but i i would i would say that what you've been doing throughout the entirety of of the, your career as i've seen it there's always been uh you know working like with direct action and and sure. you know very civic minded uh uh state of being it seems to have always you've never been too far away from that be it via music or what you do outside of music which is you know the true test of a person so i would say your greatest fear is driving all of these different 
on vast undertakings that you're you're constantly and consistently involved in. Yeah, I guess you're right. That makes sense. I I mean, I haven't really thought about it that much, um, except in a very shallow way. But yeah, I can see that thread of motivation going through. Also, like, look, I was brought up um, by classic FDR liberals. And they were, they had voted, for, well, my grandparents had voted for FDR. <laughs> yeah. uh, and East Coast liberals. And so like I was uh, imbued with a sense of kind of justice and right and wrong from really, really early on. And then when I became, as I became a punk, I was already interested in justice and uh, fell in with my friends at the local anarchist bookshop in philly the wooden shop books which mm -hmm. as of a few years ago was still around it it moved from where it was to right off the south street last yeah. time i saw it it's still, it still right there? off yeah right off the of south street still there there you go well that's a part of my history right there um you know i would volunteer there and uh read a lot and it, it ended up being in a squat in uh, west philly um yeah which one so was it, no, no, not style. Like uh, I was at a place called Conasquat at 52nd and Baltimore. And um, now it's just a field. Mm. Um, it's a vacant lot, um, which was weird because I finally went back there after like maybe 10 or 15 years of not going to that neighborhood. Not, not for any reason. Just when I was visiting, sometimes I wouldn't have time to go by or you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah. So. Um, yeah, uh, I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about that kind of stuff. And um, it, that really, really, so I went much more radical than my uh, upbringing in terms of seeking justice and looking outside of that, reading people like Bob Black, The Abolition of Work, um, all kind of, uh, this book called Bolo Bolo by mm -hmm. somebody named PM. Oh, you're familiar? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, well, yeah, so. Uh, so that, I mean, we had, um, that's, that's what Kana Squat was named after, was part of the Bolo Bolo universe that that author had come up with. Um, so like all of us in Philly were really into that that book. Like I still have like, whenever I see it, I buy multiple copies so I can give it to people. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many copies of that book I've gone through over the past three decades, but you know, uh, anyway. It's, it's kind of amazing that these things still, uh, you know, are they're still prescient uh because you know growing up in eastern pennsylvania like yourself uh mm -hmm. the son of uh liberal fdr uh parents and grandparents it was always ingrained in me that this sense of uh civic justice uh mm -hmm. and and uh you know falling into line with that uh would seem simple under those strictures Right. But but in all honesty, I'm a I'm a suburban mountain kid from the Scranton area of Pennsylvania. Okay. I, I was going to ask, by the way. Yeah, yeah. There's something about Eastern Pennsylvania. It's its own it's its own vibe. But Philadelphia versus where I'm from, uh, mm -hmm. there, you have your shills everywhere, I guess. But even though we're supposed to be this hub of liberalism, at least we were once known for that. Not any longer, unfortunately. <clears throat> there's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sneers <laughs> and the like, especially when you're 
in high school tucked in a corner reading Noam Chomsky and you have all these right. AK press uh, releases that, yeah. you know, I would send away for. Um, but that I think that radicalized uh, quote unquote leftism, because I don't even refer to myself as a liberal. I'm a leftist, if anything. Right. Right. Um, it, it put me so squarely outside of even what my Democrat parents saw as being, you know, an acceptable revolution uh or revolutionary mindset uh did you kind of you have any pushback like that uh in your own youth as far oh, as absolutely i mean i was I, I pretty much mirrored that process i mean they were like yeah noam chomsky howard's in that makes sense like that lines up with in general where we're at but i mean yeah i was a teenager i knew everything yeah. you know um, I was, I'm sure, insufferable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I would try to talk about, uh, what was it? I think I was trying to talk, talk about the new school. Um, I think it's in San Francisco. Is that right? Anyway, I misnamed it. And my grandma, who I'll talk, talk about her in a sec, but she um, she just smacked me down like a, like a junkyard dog. I was just like, oh boy. Yeah, I effed that up. <laughs> but um, she also uh, took no no guff from anyone. Like she was very like, you know, she wasn't um, binary at all, but she would always say, she basically taught me very early on that if I say something, I've got to back it up. Mm. Otherwise, I'm going to be eviscerated. <laughs> so that helped trained me really 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 well for punk rock and being a front person and just being part of you know an active part of politics and music in general um you know it's like okay well and i i feel like i've done my best to be as straightforward as possible like when the internet age started a lot of people were like oh this means i can just be a totally different character online and i can totally lie and get away with it and i never um really got into like sock puppets or like setting up fake um with a couple of exceptions uh mostly for my own entertainment um uh, uh online because i was like this is dumb like i am i'm easy to find you know like once i became a politician in berkeley california then i was really easy to find so i would go on our the local uh mini newspaper local newspaper site which was only digital um and i would post things and like these randos who may or may not have been from the city at all uh would just say the weirdest things or the most incorrect things and i would say they say well how do you know that blah blah, blah. and i'm like look see my username that's me i'm easy to find here are the facts your statistics. Here's where the data's from. And I've always kind of kept that, like not in all, that's not everywhere, believe, obviously. If you've ever seen my social media, you know that it's not everywhere at all. But at the same time, like that underpins it because like, you know, I could lie, but A, you have to keep track of your lies, which exactly. president is not very good at, uh, but he keeps on lying anyway, you know, and all of his hench people do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have a favorite sock puppet on Facebook. So I have my name out there. And then I have this guy named Jay Blackman, 
who follows me and bedevils me wherever I go. So sometimes we have arguments online. It's really fun. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I, I do do for my own amusement. But um, people who know me, it's not that hard to put together because Jay's one of Jay's uh, uh, um, uh, images is looks suspiciously like myself. <laughs> and he does only seem to interact with me. How Andy so, Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so. It's an important thing though to, to um, be able to say to someone, cite your sources and in kind, you actually can, you know, back up yeah. your opinions and, and, and your worldviews with actual Some. facts, statistics, uh, scientific uh, beautification, whatever it is. Um, if you're going to come out with an opinion and just say, no, that's wrong because it's wrong. There, there's no uh, weight to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about faith. You know, it's like people want to have faith. Fine by me. Whatever. I don't. I literally don't care. Yeah. But I do care. You know, once it. You know, once your fist starts to touch my face, that's when I care. Yeah. You know, it's the same with faith. You know, it's like, look, you can believe in whatever. You know that the Son of God became a bottle of wine and some bread. And there's a talking snake and all that stuff. You can believe that the world is on top of a giant tortoise. Yeah. You know, you can believe that there's a mountain called Mount Olympus with all the gods and all the, and they come down and fuck women, you know, disguised as swans, whatever. <laughs> I just don't want to be told that that's reality when it literally is not. Especially, um, especially when you take into consideration, uh, biblically, it's supposed to be parables and uh, people turned it into uh, this sort of document of, of actual history. And it was legitimately never meant to be that. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I find the most fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, I mean, the, 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 the move of uh, the right wing Protestants from being what revivalists to being evangelicals. Is that the. Yeah, where the revivalists were like shutting out the outside world, and then the evangelicals were trying to mentor or to preach to the secular world and change it into a theocracy. Is that that's that's one million percent correct? Because okay. it, it's it's in the verbiage, evangelism to evangelize to right. proselytize to try and you know make converts. That just that's as ridiculous and scary as jehovah's witnesses knocking on your front door and mormons doing the same riding around on bicycles in your neighborhood trying to tell you about john smith it it's it's a terrible terrible sales pitch <laughs> yeah but the, the, what what strikes me as terrible is like when they're in government and so like it's like all the crazy evangelicals that are currently in local state and national government in the US and also it's just, it's identical it's directly analogous to uh Saudi Arabia's rulers to half of the Middle East rulers to dozens and dozens of authoritarian dictatorships around the planet you know it's like you know like the Modi the guy in uh, India um he's trying to do the same thing i think he's pressing i'm i forget I forget which religion he's oppressing in favor of his own, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same story, just different characters and different belief systems underpinning and justifying that oppression. And the same goes for the Quran. What I'd said about the Bible, 
the Quran was supposed to uh, correct the mistakes of the Bible at, at the very core of, of its belief system. So you read this text, which I have numerous times, and, and, and the ultimate uh, you know, takeaway you're supposed to get from it is this is the ultimate document of peace and love, right? Mm -hmm. How did it become televised beheadings and honor rape uh because it's people because it's people yeah. and when they infiltrate government and try to you know create a theocracy you're alienating the people that you're trying to rule over and that's where revolutions take place i mean it happened it happened here <laughs> yeah. yeah there's legitimately no point to even sharing uh your faith with other people if if they're not interested and don't want anything to do with it it people do that because they want to be right they they want to have their beliefs quantified and qualified right by other people but don't you think that there is a point where some people who are on the receiving end of ongoing direct propaganda personal propaganda like at some point they're like yeah maybe so okay i'll give it a try it can't hurt whatever you know and then you know fast forward a few a short time later and they're like out there proselytizing as well you know like don't you think that that's also i mean it must work well, somehow it, it does and fox news is a big big proving ground for that because yeah. like uh, <laughs> yeah. we have ex i before my father passed my father was always very liberal always he was a vietnam veteran so he had that going for him mentally but uh, towards the end of his life, and he was drinking a lot, so that might be a part of it too, but he started to watch Fox News a bit more regularly, especially with the advent of the Trump era. And he said to me one day, well, at least this guy, he'll, he'll blow them the fuck up if they come after us. And that solves what, Dad? I mean, you were in combat. You know that, that you were in a war that we essentially lost because it was... A, you know, people fighting a, a, a belief you'll never, you'll never beat down an idea. It will, it will linger on after the smoke clears and the blood seeps into the, into the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I have plenty of examples of this Fox news derangement syndrome. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like in places of work in break rooms, the world over Fox news is on television and these companies are trying to indoctrinate you all right right for a long time like it was all the like i only saw it in my own life in airports and i was like oh god <laughs> fucking a <laughs> i'm assuming we can curse on this right oh most certainly yeah okay i mean i'm happy not to i mean no i i'm i'm as vulgar as a sailor it's quite all right okay, okay so anyway so i think we've kind of solved the world's problems when it comes to faith and yeah belief what's next well what's next i think is <clears throat> something that you're quite versed in direct action uh in light of you know the the black lives matter riots and 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 the and they didn't even cause the riots it was the opposing side creating friction thereby igniting the flame all of this happens where we're in a place now where uh, a pseudo liberal president is kind of just asleep at the wheel, uh, setting the stage for the next fascist that will most certainly take the White House. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, like these bigots so emboldened 
so emboldened that uh, the they're white power organizations, but they're they're political movements. Right. What do we do uh, in terms of direct action in a time like this? Well, first off, you can't stop. I mean, what we were just saying about the evangelicals knocking on people's doors again and again and hoping at some point that they'll break. Um, I think you have to keep on putting out the message that like, hey, you know, like uh, a better life means, you know, we're a more diverse people. We have uh, people from, you know, and this applies to the UK where I live, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, we're a much better place for it. I can tell you right now, and I'm only half being funny, um, like food in Great Britain has been immeasurably improved by immigrants. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything that's homes, homegrown British, even if it's good, it's basically something inside bread. Right. Like literally, like it's just, it's insane. I've not seen so much bread ever in my life um anyway um but it, it it is it's an easy thing for people to um to uh uh author authoritarians to really you know try to rouse their base like you know you know direct all the their enmity at at, at the other right you know uh, uh the one guy from germany from the 30s he did it really really well Yes, he did. At it, uh, until he uh, committed suicide in 1945. Um, right. You know, it, I mean, that's a facile uh, 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 comparison, but it's true. It's completely like that's literally what he did. And that's literally how uh, Joseph Goebbels, like he was a master of propaganda. And like they figured out really, really early if we, you know, times are tough, if we can direct everybody's, you know, anger towards xyz then we can you know gain more and more power until it's way too late <laughs> you know and it's not just refugees and asylum seekers and economic migrants that the right wing is going after in the u.s um and in the uk by the way i mean there's some real effing winners over here i tell you what um but also lgbtq but especially t they're mm -hmm. weird oh. um over here it's the conversation is much less advanced <laughs> around trend, uh, uh, transgender and gender identity. It's really, really interesting. When we first came over here, we we're like, right, you're not in the Bay Area anymore, <laughs> which is never a bad thing to kind of get that wake up call. Um, right. Suddenly, like I'm back at kind of like ground zero of like or step zero of like having a conversation about like, does gender someone else's gender really matter to you? It's, you know, do, you know, it's the same thing. It's it's really, really pretty interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, I would say like, just, you know, speaking, like really standing up and like to use the, the, the cliche speaking truth to power, like just be like, yeah, you know what, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And, you know, you can, you know, laugh at me, you can, you know, snicker, but what will happen is even though maybe the main people who are snickering at you or pointing at you and laughing or arguing with you, maybe they won't come over but the people around them will see how you are comporting yourself and how you're dealing with this kind of anger and often irrationality, because that's, as like I said before, like as long as you're not telling complete effing lies, yeah. there's gonna be some 
bit of truth in what you say. And, you know, as long as like, and that is what draws people in there. Like, cause there's so little truth in public discourse a lot of the times that when there is, it's really noticeable and people pick up on that. And like, even people who like, you would never think blah, blah, blah. You think about it, you step back, you say, I go over here in the UK, we're going through a whole series of rail strikes and soon probably nurses strikes. Uh, uh, basically the uh, baby lawyers, like the first, like the first level of lawyers, they get paid 17,000 pounds a year, which is with the dollar, probably around twenty twenty one thousand dollars a year to live in London, one of the most expensive cities in on the planet. Yeah, I mean, so they're on strike. I mean, like it's really, really. Um, and at first, people like over here, like, oh well, you know, lawyers going on strike, but it's like, oh no, they're making less than you. Yeah, and you're a machinist in a you know an auto body shop. Um, all these different places are going on strike because the members are getting priced out, like cost of living increases across the board. Um, more than a decade of the Tories, which is the right wing here in uh, uh, yeah. Britain, the, they're the equivalent to the Republicans, but not as crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, though they have the same kind of free market BS, the trickle down economics that Reagan. Voodoo and, economics. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And like Margaret Thatcher was, you know, she loved that stuff and she was obviously a prime minister at the time here in England. The, um, so that that's what they're fighting against. They've, uh, the Tories have been in power for like what 12, 13 years, and it's been austerity all the way. And then late, labor governments have also done a little bit of austerity because they're kind of like the moderate Democrats mm-hmm. over here. Um, the, it's a little more complicated than that, but just for this, um, I mean, m- many of the labor policies do support unions, do support uh giving people who can't afford it a lot of government, direct government assistance. And that's much less looked down upon across the political spectrum here. So, um, but anyway, but people are standing up and people who are standing up, like they're not necessarily, some of them are Tories, some of them voted for Boris Johnson. Uh, Thank God he's gone. Yeah, now he's gone. Uh, Some of them might've voted for Liz Truss, who's the incoming prime minister who, she's a anyway Mm -hmm. um but if you sit people down and i've known this since well since i could think about it really i mean if if you think about it it's pretty obvious like you sit back with people of whatever political persuasion you say money has way too much effect on politics and it gives the rich the ability to buy politicians buy uh policies that only benefit them you see that in lack, you know, degradation of working hours uh, by, you know, extending them for less pay, uh, degradation in working conditions, rolling back unions, rolling back uh, uh, worker protections, um, you know, increasing your taxes at the bottom and in the middle while slashing the taxes at the top. Um, obviously, in the U.S., it's a, <laughs> it's a even more advanced thing. But you sit people down. And you'll get agreement across the board. I guarantee you, you go to a Trump rally and you say that to people. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then you say, you know who's in favor of that? I hate to tell you this. <laughs> and then they, they're, then the mind, the switch in the mind turns off and they're like, no, I, I've been duped. I can't admit I've been duped. You're a socialist. And it's like, yeah. And scene. <laughs> but at some point, <coughs> 
you know, hopefully they or their relatives or their friends or the family will notice that and and figure it out for themselves. And I think it's happening all the time. Like you talked about your dad, like I've seen and read about tons of people who have gone through that with their family members. Like, thankfully I have not, um, my family is really stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, or passed away. So, uh, it's, it's really, uh, I, I, I dodged that, that bullet. Um, and, um, our collective family over here, like is pretty much dodged that bullet. Um, you know, there's a few exceptions, but very few. Um, and usually they end up self-segregating anyway, because, you know, their offspring or their family is, is like, this is crazy. This is not reality. And they freak out and, you know, shut off ties. And people are unfortunately healthier with that, that kind of toxicity and denial of reality. That's what really bugs me is the denial of literal reality. Like, no, the sun, we are on a planet that circles, goes like this and goes around something called a sun. And that's why it appears that the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west, but it doesn't just disappear. It's still out there. We're moving. And that's why it comes up in the same place or, well, a few degrees different every day, you know? Anyway, that's what really bums me out is like even when I and I still do disagree with the moderate Democrats moderate labor whatever you want to call them uh with their appeasement and the you know they love that guy Henry Kissinger even now which is fucking crazy to me yeah fucking war criminal should be fucking uh, anyway uh he they, they um we are all fighting over a shared reality right like you would read like something like in these times, you know, that would always critique critique the New York times. Um, or you would, you know, have an argument with someone who is a Zionist about Israel, Palestine. You were all on the same page. Like the actual situation was clear. It was just how you interpreted it and how you move forward from the current situation. It wasn't like you're, you know, one you're like, you're in a ballpark playing a game and the other person is uh you know under a car changing somebody's oil mm. like it wasn't so like we were all in the same place with the same set of facts and the same situational awareness instead of saying oh no you know uh q blah 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 pedophiles and comet ping pong pizzeria that yeah. doesn't even have a basement has yeah. a basement full of like people draining a, something called adrenochrome from children that they mine that they <laughs> I, I when they got to tunnels underneath all of washington dc that's where i checked out i was like what this is really uh, isn't even worth my time thinking about well, these are the types of people who uh read uh what, what's that novel that tom hanks was in the movie where there's all sorts of like conspiracies that the government is involved in the occult and everything else and um that is a it's an intriguing fantasy <clears throat> to read about to uh, watch on television to to occupy idle time but to believe and there of course there's some very muddy things that happen within all governments but most of sure. that has to do with corporate interests right yeah it has nothing to do with uh this this grand guignol uh like demonic 
possessions and and there's just like you're going too far people have to understand and there's people legitimately entrenched in our government who are members of this QAnon thing yeah <laughs> who who voted for them yeah well they, they're just not the other team you know? yeah i mean it's like the, all the 80 million people who voted for you know joe biden like he wasn't the other team i mean good for them but like still it's like i i think a lot of it's that i mean and but i i think also you have like the um we didn't call it austerity in the united states we just called it like having you know governments pay their way and strangling government in the bathtub by you know taking away tax money from uh, the educational system you know like people can't think or aren't being taught to think um logically they're not taught to have a bs meter that works you know you feed them gruel and they're like oh this is a you know caviar this is great and it's like no it's gruel you know <laughs> Look, when you drop it, it just sits there. When you throw it at the wall, it sticks. Yeah, it's, yeah. You can call it. You could pour syrup on shit all day. It does not make it pancakes, and that's just the way yeah. it is. Yeah. I yeah. think I think these ideas, though, and and this mindset, always made its way into culture and music, especially music. And I think, outside of just speaking truth to power the art we create is indicative of the of the movement in my opinion it's it's emblematic it you know unfortunately we all have to you know have brand recognition uh for our music our our belief systems sure and i think kids just need these younger people coming up who believe what we believe and think how we think need to start making fanzines again and and do their little DIY uh, punk venues, and and the, it, that's that's I think how we get the ball rolling again, because if you look at the 1960s, how how politics got uh, radicalized was the, the the hippies, and before that the Beats. Uh, yeah. cult, youth culture is truly I think what drives change in in a in a positive way. Mm -hmm. People like us who were born in the 70s, I mean, we're still doing our thing. We're still actually a pretty vibrant and vital cog in this machine because we dedicated our lives to it at this point. We're in our 40s and 50s. Right. Uh, my concern, I think, now is just my my kids' generation and, and these kids now who are in high school, who mm -hmm. are growing up under what is inarguably the new fascists, american regime mm -hmm. are the are they are they rebelling they must be right there must be a pockets of kids just like us you, yeah oh no definitely they're that they definitely are i mean you see it in like shows like like over here as well like there's tons of young kids like you know and they they're not surprisingly like you know more likely to be gender fluid or gay openly gay very important to say that <laughs> um you know and it's awesome and like us old people were like yeah great whatever i don't care <laughs> um but it's but it's true though i mean but it is really cool and like there's like i mean there's this band uh from near here from sheffield uh they're like 
riot girls, like self-described riot girl band. And they um, have like a four song, five song demo up on Bandcamp. And yeah, I'm like, and they're all like in their teens and they're, you know, uh, I don't know how they identify, but you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. The fact is that we're doing it and and it's really, really cool to see that. And like you go to shows and like, at least over here for sure, it's a very wide range of um, people. I mean, the only except, well, I did go to Rebellion, uh, which is up in Blackpool. It's where uh, tons and tons of, well, the headliners are almost always like your older bands, like your Sham 69s, uh, um, uh, Cox Bar, uh, yeah it's great it's awesome yeah i love it but like also like one night bob villain headlined and bob villain is from uh london it's a two-piece and hip-hop and punk metal jammed together really really good um great live band they held the main hall a couple thousand people in the palm of their hand for like a good 45 minutes set at 1 a.m when everybody had been drinking all day and it didn't matter people were super stoked and so like it was like a and there was like a lot of young bands a lot of new bands a lot of bands coming back with but like our bands with like old people in them but new you know it was really like once you got under like the the, the shiny stuff at the very top you realize oh there's a bunch of like great bands like this band Los Fastidios from uh italy mm. i mean they've been around for 30 years yeah. but they are like a nowhere near as well-known band italian uh anti-fascist oi band great fucking band yep. um and uh but like yeah bands like days and days or sorry bridge city sin is part of the days and days folk punk group of people yep. um they were there um and there was like a lot of like you know like there were uh all female bands from south korea this one band uh rum kicks it was really really exciting and the crowd was nowhere near as mono culturally old white overweight bald guy as you would think there's a lot of them yeah and they weren't all skinheads a lot of them were just bald naturally yeah. they, they came by their baldness you know the hard way yeah. <laughs> not by use of a razor <laughs> um i mean there's definitely a lot of skinheads but like they were all like if there were any like fence sitters they were not in evidence because the whole place was like you know fuck that nazi shit we're not fucking down for that yeah um you know you had like a tribute to mency from uh angelic upstarts uh probably the most anti outspoken anti-fascist boy band um yeah you know los fastidios same thing um their best song is called antifa hooligans about beating up nazis at you know football games yes. soccer games sorry you know but it's I mean, football man <laughs> yeah. yeah uh rest of world football not american football yeah, yeah. the real football yeah <laughs> well that, i'm not gonna get into that because you're from uh from football territory there so well yeah yeah we're uh <laughs> there's there's uh two factions here and that's either the pittsburgh steelers or the eagles and then that's that's it but yeah. um <clears throat> and eagles and, though right yeah well, around here, Eagles, yeah, but I'm a, I was actually a Steelers fan my whole time. I had a feeling. When you had that <laughs> Ohio area code on your phone, I was like, motherfucker, I bet he's Pittsburgh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 
but which is funny because my proximity to Philadelphia, I could get there in an hour and 10 minutes in the Scranton right. area, but sure. Sure. Yeah. Just, you may as well just support the jets. They're probably closer. They are closer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you really want a true like Philadelphia experience supporting losers, I mean, yeah. You know, or, or you can be a Flyers fan like me. <laughs> then you can really experience the, 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 the pain of sports year oh. after year after year. <laughs> oh yeah. Going to Flyers games and watching them just eat shit was always a thing that <laughs> broke my heart in a very specific way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. What are you going to do anyway? Yeah. So like with all that art in mind, uh, the music in mind, scene killers are coming back. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like how you kind of steered that back. No, the, um, the only, the last thing I would say is about the other stuff for, for now until we get back to it, I'm sure. Um, talk about speaking truth to power. It's always, also about speaking truth to lies. Like when some numb nut online, and usually I don't engage with these people because they're shown to be not really, they're not interested. Um, when they say, oh, punk was never about politics. That's a big, like literally from day one, MC5, white people's panther party the white panther party yeah like literally like just and like you said like the actual existence of punk rock whether it was the stooges or the velvet underground or the new york dolls his glam punk or even david Bowie, like like the crazy shit he was doing as the thin white duke like that was crazy for 1972 like what the fuck is that you know um the very existence of difference and such extreme difference is a giant fuck you, two middle fingers to the in the fucking air to society, to conformity, to the way things ought to be, because that's not how it ought to be. It's just how you've decided that it's appropriate to be. And um, then you fast forward, obviously, God save the queen. Mm -hmm. Not really a pro-monarchy statement. 1977 1976 um back in back in favor today um the you know i mean it's it's ridiculous obviously like you fast forward to like you know like people are like oh well you know punk was never left wing it's like uh yeah it was if it wasn't left wing it was anarchist yeah um if you want to call anarchism neither wing, fine there's a there's a case for that but yeah you know, like the Nazis were chased out. National Front were chased out over here. The Nazi skinheads were chased out back home. Um, I helped. Yeah, I Everybody helped. And we fucking got rid of those motherfuckers until the fucking, you know, these young kids and that asshole who helped start Vice started to, to try to rewrite history. By I, I, I was going to bring that prick up too, just because he's the one who was really <clears throat> with that Proud Boy shit appropriating you know punk rock aesthetics fred perry's and <clears throat> you know and he's he's the big one banging the drum for all oh, you know the rights the new punk rock and punk rock was never supposed to be about politics uh, but excuse me sir from yeah. from inception uh yeah. <laughs> most certainly and yeah. and furthermore it is punk comes from a deep from a deep root of 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 queer positivity 
Yeah. yeah. Deep queer positivity. <laughs> day one. Yeah. Like literally day one. You know, you look at the punk band, even the people from like the, um, I mean, we just talked about like David Bowie, mm-hmm. you know, um, you talk about Velvet Underground, you know, you talk about the CBGB scene. Queer is a $3 beer bill. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it was just, you know, and that's great. You know, San Francisco. <laughs> hey. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Early Los Angeles scene, you know, I mean, super, super gay and lesbian and just weirdos doing all kinds of shit didn't didn't matter you know anyway that's why uh, so yeah, so so fun <laughs> huh? those were the people you'd want to be around though that's where the party is where everybody yeah. where nobody gives a shit yeah 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 <laughs> but anyway yeah so scene killers um i'm having a blast um we got together because i knew uh this band hip priests who from here in Nottingham, they came over to and played San Francisco and my old band, The Pathogens, played with them at the Hemlock Tavern in San Francisco in 2018. And so when we finally figured out that we we're gonna be in Nottingham, um, I wrote to them and said, hey, uh, looks like we're moving to your city. Um, can you help us kind of, like we're looking for a place, blah, blah, blah. And like the conversation went on and this was with Austin and he was like, Hey, me and a couple of guys from this band, TV Crime, from out here, who I also knew of, I didn't know them. Um, uh, we're going to be jamming pretty soon. Do you want to come out since you'll be just arriving around that time? I'm like, yeah, sounds great. And then that's how the scene killer started. It was like me and Austin and John and Luke. And um, it worked out great. We like each other and we write well together, I think. And um, have a great time on stage. And hopefully that translates to the record. So there's going to be another record. Um, yes, we have an upcoming record. It's going to be, so we, our first record came out in, well, 2020, 2021. Yeah, those years are kind of fuzzy. Yeah, it was um, one big year, really. Yeah, it was one big year. Uh, on No Front Teeth Records out of London. Um, and uh, it's six songs, five originals, and a replacements cover. And uh, that is... It's going to be in the U.S. It's actually, I think it's available still at one, two, three, four, go. It's yeah. going to be available through Alternative Tentacles mail order site. I think it's on. There's a if you go to our Bandcamp, if you just search Scene Killers, we're the only one called Scene Killers. So, yeah, uh, easy to find. Uh, there should be more information there. Um, over here, uh, it's available directly through us or through record. Yeah, you can find it. Uh, um, so that was called rev it up and um has uh it had super cool art from this guy uh named pa- pastor Na- noster i forgot his first name oh anyway but he's you can find him too like really he does a lot of he austin and luke knew him through kind of motorcycle related illustrations and because we're talking about like oh you know what kind of cover art you know what kind of art and for me, it's always been super cool to be able to use artists from the scene or related to the scene to kind of, you know, help out and like, you know, do something cool um, instead of just like, you know, just another discharge cover of like some grainy black and white photo of like some awful war atrocity. Or an ear and an eye. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh man, come on. <laughs> That's been on like dozens of covers. Uh, but, you know, good records, but same cover. 
Um, but the um, so the same thing went for this new record. It's called Beat Beat Beat, and the title track is um, I wrote it actually speaking of George Floyd and Black Lives Matters. It's about kind of like from a liberal, not a leftist or progressive or an anarchist's point of view, but a liberal's point of view. It's kind of like uh, that Phil Oaks song, Love Me, I'm a Liberal. Yeah. Like that kind of thing where it's just like, you know, in spite of all of the evidence in front of me, I still can't make that last step to fuck the police or defund the police or, you know, move around uh, uh, resources away from militarization of law enforcement. Mm. <laughs> However you want to put it, um, yeah. you know, and that's what Beat 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 is all about. Um, and uh, so, the, but the art is all done by Aaron Comic Bus. Aaron, oh, Aaron Elliot. Yeah, he did the front and back cover, and then our drummer Luke is a graphic artist and designer, and so he did the inside, and uh, he cl collaborated with uh, Aaron on kind of making sure that the sizing and everything was appropriate for the outside. But yeah, basically, I mean, I've known Aaron since. Uh, 19, I guess I must be 1980s, late 1980s, very late, 1989. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my band, so I was at my old job, I worked at a pressing plant until very recently, and um, we were doing a pressing record for him. Um, we also pressed all the Pinnacle Gunpowder reissues, but this is actually a, a, there's one behind me. I, I see, I saw that, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that I was like, oh, um, the uh, this was for like a band that he had started in um, Brooklyn from last year, and so like they knew I was doing that, and they're like, oh, you know, you should ask him if he will do art for our new record. I'm like, uh, like I can, but I'm pretty sure he only does art for his own records, like his own bands, like which is fine. Like you know, like I don't know his workload, and I know he has a bookstore to run, so you know. It's, you know, um, we're like, no, no, just ask him. I'm like, okay, you know, kind of like, this is, you know, it'd be nice to talk with him, but like, it's gonna be a waste of time. The actual question would be a waste of time. And then he was like, I am so honored that you would ask me. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, nobody ever asks me. I'm like, that's because they, oh, everybody thinks like I do. Yeah, like you're you only do your own bands. He's like, why would I only do that? I'm like, never mind. It's great. So <laughs> yeah. uh, he was able to kind of get together some different images and. We figured out what would work best um, for what we we're trying for, and uh, yeah, and like I said, like he worked with our drummer Luke and kind of finalizing everything. And uh, I am super stoked because it's definitely Aaron, but it's definitely our own take on it. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's a Aaron has. <clears throat> it's, he's his own um, animal. His artwork. It's yeah. very, very visually striking and very easily recognizable i mean he did the crim shrine covers too did he not yeah oh yeah it just you know it's him every time yeah. you know it's him yeah. um <clears throat> just like scott sinclair did with hot water music uh for a majority of their records like instantly recognizable uh but aaron is less abstract and and more uh not literal but more recognizable uh as far yeah. as his figures are concerned um right but there's just a flow to it it's very very awesome that you get hit you get to have a cover done by him that's 
that's like punk rock hall of fame shit man <laughs> you know what i mean i'm just stoked that it worked out i'm glad my band was like stubborn enough to be like why don't you try that you know i literally rolled my eyes <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be wrong you know and like i'm really really glad that he was stoked to do it like i'm stoked that he was stoked that we can you know go that far absolutely uh and yeah it was really uh so yeah so that was that's a super cool to me part of the whole thing and i hope people help uh, that helps people enjoy the record um and musically like we do uh a cover on this one we do it's nine songs total eight originals and um yeah the, we're gonna put out a song when is this coming out uh, this um, I'm I was gonna try to tailor it to the release of the record. Okay, okay. so um, the we have will we will have released a song by this point that you see this or hear oh. this called "Gimme Gimme," um, and that's the uh, one single we're putting out um, ahead of time, and it's basically a song about kind of living life to its fullest, kind of like what we've been talking about, like throughout this whole interview actually from the first question on pretty right. much um and uh you know like i'm an, uh not a super old punk but i'm not a young punk right but you know but it's still like yeah let's let's f and go you know let's have a great time and you know try to change the minds and get, get some get a better planet out, out of uh it while we're having a good time um you know short version thanks me my lyrics if, if, you know, though it gives it gives uh, <clears throat> people in our age group hope because, like, I'm still playing in a, in a punk band too. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I really start to think to myself, like, I, I'm married, I'm I'm approaching fifty, three year old. Um, mm -hmm. Should I still be doing this? And and there are that question still looms large mm -hmm. in, in my purview. Like, should I should I be dedicating time to this? But I, I think I'm the better for it. I think you're the better for it. It's what yeah. it's not only it's what we know how to do, A, but B, you're it's it's putting something else out into the universe, speaking to what we were talking about earlier, uh putting that intention out there and and having another piece of art that can draw in some of those younger people to think for themselves, to have a a, a venue for discourse. Yeah. Because that's what yeah. show, that's what shows really were. I mean, in the in the eighties and nineties, that's what hardcore shows were to me. The you had people setting up tables for PETA, and yeah. you know there was always one one kid from Food Not Bombs selling AK Press books, and yeah. like it was always it was it was that great mixture of of the different aspects of uh, the larger scene, as it were. I just want to still have something to lend to that you know mm -hmm. i'm i'm not making fanzines anymore but i'm doing this this is my right. fanzine now right that's all it is yeah yeah absolutely it, it's exciting though that that someone i was legitimately listening to when i was in like eighth ninth grade is still putting out records that are still worth listening to you know it's 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 a big thrill for me Awesome. Are you talking about me? I'm talking about you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Is <laughs> that who, else, who else is here? I have a notebook from when I was in, I think, eighth grade or ninth grade. Blatt's written, emblazoned <laughs> right across awesome. the front of it. 
<laughs> that's great. That's I. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm happy. You should be. <laughs> you, you should be because like you, you you people never really think that you know what they create is going to reach the hearts and minds of 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 people across the country. Um, and it's very interesting that you made it all the way to California to affect people from the state you're from, from the side of the state you're from. But, <clears throat> you know, these things reverberate. And once, once they're given impetus, you know, that, that energy just echoes. It, it never mm -hmm. really dies. It never really, especially now in the digital age where you could find just odd, oddball so demos yeah. from like 87. I used to do the tape trade thing back in the day. It's been, it's been rendered useless because everything's available now and yeah. people bemoan that, but I don't know if I do. It was fun doing tape trading and, and writing letters to people in like, you yeah. know, li Liberia, but fact of the matter remains, you can get it all now. Everything from the most oddball Zamrock record to, you know, uh, the Gorilla Biscuits, Walter Sings, uh, <laughs> bootleg that no one was supposed to have you can get all that now. you know what i mean yeah no totally totally and but that yeah it's it's absolutely true and like when i dj on the radio i did this at klx um i do it at mmh um i do use a lot of times the the politics of the various songs are very very um uh important and very specifically played um to kind of just tell a story that way in a kind of more oblique way than i usually do when i speak mm -hmm. <laughs> um and so that's like, like that really speaks to the ability of like music and art to communicate like politics and social justice and social cultural uh points all over the, all over the map and it also tells the lie of course to like uh, Gavin McInnes and his moronic followers um, trying to claim otherwise. It's like, no, this stuff has always been from a particular counterculture uh, point of view. You know, the fact it's not a statement on the rest of us that the right wing has become so right wing that and so idiotic that when you say something against the former guy, People are like, oh, so you like Hillary? It's like, I, I didn't say that. No, I said the former guy is a lion piece of shit, and he has been since I first learned about him in the 1980s from Spy magazine. Yep. You know, like I remember reading Spy, and that was a magazine that came out out of New York City. It was very, it was actually groundbreaking. Yeah. Because, like, design wise, it was really bizarre. Like, th looking at it now, you're like, oh, this is, looks like a magazine. At the time, it was like people were like, "How do you read this?" You know? <laughs> and then, but also, it was also very snarky, very sarcastic, um, and it, you know, didn't pull very many punches. And they always talked about Trump. They, his their nickname for him was he was the short fingered vulgarian, <laughs> and you know, it's like that has always stuck with me. And like, anyway. Um, but yeah, but it's really, really bizarre to me to see the um, people being so simple-minded to say, oh, well, if it's not A, then it's B. And sure, I was a dog dogmatic, dogmatic young punk. Yeah. 
you know, and I definitely had my moments. I'm not going to lie and say that I've always been, you know, this paragon of even handedness and whatever. No, no, no. Come on. You can read my lyrics as well as I can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It comes with um, age. It comes with age, that stuff. It, it, it does. Uh, <laughs> but also being called on shit and also being out in the public, um, like even politicians in person, you have to have, you have to be a very special politician to lie knowingly, repeatedly, and in different directions, which is what Trump does or did. Um, oh, geez. I'm blowing up. Huh? Oh. <laughs> so let me turn that off. Um, you know, or what his followers do. It's like you literally don't care about truth. And as much as, you know, and when I say politicians, I mean politicians who, especially at the local level, it's a lot harder to lie to your block captain or to the people that you're at their block party on Labor Day weekend. And you're making the rounds from block party to block party. You're doing a uh, uh, what's the night out thing? Oh, uh, yeah, where people the, the safety thing, whatever night out. I forget. Yeah. Since since I moved from the states, I don't have to do this stuff anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but like for local politicians, like that's a national night out. Yeah. No, for local politi politicians, that's a great way to canvas to if you're running for you know election or re-election, it's a great way to meet people. Or if you're just in office, you know, between election cycles, it's a great way to stay in touch and say, hey, I'm your city council member. Hey, I'm your local rent board member, you know, or whatever. I'm your local school board member. And so it's a lot harder to tell people lies directly to their face. You know, it's really, really difficult. Like if you're talking to a, you know, a Fox News host and there's just a camera and you're in a corner of your room, maybe it's easier. I don't know. Never had that opportunity. Right. Never gonna have that opportunity. Why <laughs> by me? But it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's something else. But thank you. I appreciate you liking my stuff. And we tried really, really hard to make every show and every band interesting. Um, I mean, there's stuff that I've put out that I would love to take back um, <laughs> sonically. But then, like, I just read something today of one of those things and they're like this is how i got into this band and i love it and this is why and i'm like well okay i'm gonna not say anything yeah i mean fair enough it's yours now yeah it's out in the world it's yours now yeah fine i mean uh, we've all made those mistakes we've all made missteps uh <laughs> as musicians as as people you know fallible creatures but yeah. No, no matter how you feel about it, once it's it's a recorded document and it's out in the ether, it is not your baby anymore. Yeah. It's 18. It can vote. It's gone. Yeah, mine can drink. A lot yeah. of them. <laughs> a few of mine can in the drink. States. They, they can always drink here. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's yeah. England. If you could yeah. reach the bar, you could drink. Yeah. <laughs> if you could climb up onto the stool ah, here. here's a half pint you're good just have a little yeah here's a half pint for the half pint <laughs> so living uh in this age it has i find it so fascinating that i watch a documentary on i believe it was hbo and there's larry livermore 
you know, in a document, a documentary that I thought was going to be about Bigfoot when in all actuality, it was about, you know, all of the, the shady goings on with marijuana growers in, in California and which I'm, you can I'm, totally talk to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching yeah. and I'm like, is, is, is that the Larry Livermore? <laughs> Holy shit. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see these people that are like a part were a, a very big part of your consciousness as, as a young person and thinking you know this is punk so not everybody knows about it it's a big secret you know it's just ours it's our thing and to be in my mid 40s and seeing him in that kind of a documentary it's it's it gives me hope for the world in a strange way yeah you know yeah. I mean, our peers have been in charge of ad you know music buying for ads for you know 10 20 years now you know that's why you hear margin marginally better music a lot of the times you know yeah yeah the, our age group are there they're, they're the taste drivers for you know ad campaigns and stuff on television yeah. that's why <laughs> Even even when I was in my like late teens and early twenties, seeing some car commercial and how soon is now is is the song for the commercial. Or even more recently, I think it was a, a Lincoln commercial and seaweed. Oh wow! Or, really? Uh, not I'm sorry, I misspoke. Not seaweed. Hum, stars. That was oh wow! The song. Like, what 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 the fuck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of crazy and it's also obviously how a lot of bands can actually survive you know yeah. and you know i'm always a, a couple minds but whatever like you know it's not my band so i don't have to worry about making that choice <laughs> yeah i I, th I think there's something uh intrinsic about bands that came from the bay area though that you know there's a few exceptions few glaring exceptions but most of them it just seemed like they would never want that to be to be like in a baloney commercial or right. you, you know what i mean it just seems antithetical yeah. to to the ethos of of punk rock of, of of what that badge of honor is supposed to stand for and i'm not a i'm not a gatekeeper i got over that shit a very long time ago <laughs> but sometimes yeah. No, you're right different strains of punk rock like because like for instance in opposition to like the bay area general anti-commercialism los angeles punk rock was always about getting paid oh yeah you know even the most dedicated anti-capitalist was like well you're gonna pay us right you yeah. know which is fine like i mean and at the time this that was often jarring now i'm like well yeah because you know like i'm always like you know if if like if we have a show and there's opening bands, you know, I'm like, so everybody's getting paid, right? And like my fans, like, yeah, of course everybody's getting paid. Like, you know, like we we got we opened a show, we got paid like thirty pounds, which is like, you know, petrol money, gas yeah. money, um, and it's fine, you know, like that works because you know even though we're local, we still are paying, you know, a fair amount of money for everything. Um, and i think now i understand it a lot more than i did when i was uh younger um and more more dogmatic as we mentioned um but yeah i, I don't know I, I don't really um 
begrudge people that kind of stuff at this point. It's like, you know, I would always be careful about what I would support and why I was supporting it. Like, you know, would I do something for GM? Probably not, but would I do it for Beyond Burger? Maybe. Yeah. Fuck if I know. Maybe GM owns Beyond Burger for all I know. know? But (laughs) as an example, you know, like, you know, I, you know, like I'm pretty sure Exxon's not going to be calling up the scene killers anytime soon. But Beyond Burger, if you're out there and you're not owned by Exxon, <laughs> I'll see what we can work out. Uh, you know, and and that's I think the great part about about still uh, retaining the edicts of our youth, the, the things that that drove us. I mean, of course, a lot of it's going to get distilled out of us. By t- with time and and life experience, I think the core value sticks. I think it's still there. I think it's still there in a lot of people. I, I listen to Rancid to this day, and I mean they're still not on a major record label, and they're those guys are rich. <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing well. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, and, but I think it's you strike. You, you just said something very, very important. The all of us have taken this thing this thing of ours to quote the mafia and move forward through life with it. You know, like the number of people, you know, I'm sure the number of people I know who are educators, whether uh, kindergarten, whether, you know, higher grades, um, whether uh, university level astronomical, you know, like it's really like a lot of people did that. A lot of people became librarians, a lot of people, um, you know, and even if they're just, you know, doing something that's not so obviously education based or, uh, knowledge-based, they're still bringing that sense and sensibility, you know, whether it's making sure that people at their work are treated fairly or being upset when people at their work are not being treated fair, fairly, um, whether it's honoring a picket line, whether it's you name it, you know. Um, yeah, I have a former band member. He's a principal, mm. you know, and there's people in the East Bay scene, like, well, I, I, there's a second principal actually in the East Bay scene, uh, she's been the principal of a, a alternative school for 15, 20 years. Mm. You know, I mean, it's wonderful. And like, obviously, all the authors and artists we know uh, could, you know, fill a book. You know, Steve Von Till is an elementary school teacher. Yeah. That Imagine going, Mr. Von Till, can I go to the bathroom? No. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I, I, I'm, I know he doesn't have dreads anymore, or at least he didn't last time I saw him. No, but yeah. I would just love that. I'd be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> sit down. That would make my day. Um, I'm sure he's a good elementary school teacher. <laughs> Listen to uh, he. I I had him on the show a couple months back. He he spoke. Oh, about, awesome. He spoke about it as if it were a spiritual thing for him. He loves it. He loves molding young minds and hearts. And I mean. Neurosis, uh, Cards on the Table, they're my favorite band. Awesome. Cards on the Table, yes, Scott Kelly did some very bad shit, but he's been out of the band for two years now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to burn my Neurosis records or my, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. But it, it is incredible that someone like him, that that people from our scene are are the people who are essentially still shaping the hearts and minds of young people uh outside of music you know yeah. and and 
to me, that's that's imperative. I took everything from punk rock when I'd gotten into union politics years ago. I'm out of it now because it legitimately broke my heart. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I was I was a shop steward for years, um, and I'm I still well, there I it was a just intrinsic to my being to get involved and to be as big of a part of the union as I possibly could, because that's something like organized labor. I believe in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I grew, I grew up with that as part of, you know, our, our code of honor in, in our family, you know, we're predominantly Irish and mm-hmm. we're all, we were all in unions. Yeah. Yeah. It's just scary to me that people in the union that I was in veered so far right right yeah and talk about like going directly against your own self-interest man yeah (laughs) Yeah. well no i mean that's when that's why the 99 with the no wto protests it was such a big deal to have the green and the blue come together because historically they had been separated which is weird because like you say like self-interest for like loggers means that you're running out of what you log (laughs) Yeah. So you need to figure out ways to continue logging in ways that are sustainable or get help getting new different ways to earn money. You know, and so that was really, really a key thing, I think, a key development. And sure, it's, you know, I think, like you say, like it goes through ebbs and flows of, you know, but I think, like I said before, like if you sit people down and say, look, the rich are getting richer, the boss is making money off of your labor you know and they're making it harder for you to organize and harder for you to put food on your table to take care of your family um and they're buying politicians and buying policies from those politicians that degrade you and you know improve their lifestyles um people agree like it's not rocket science you know um and yeah i i i I did a, a show about um Actually, I did. So my show is every Monday. So a couple weeks ago, my show happened to be on Labor Day in America. Mm-hmm. That that's not a day here. I mean, here we have May Day. Yeah. You know, we didn't have to rename it and move it six months <laughs> to get rid of the, you know, the communist uh, tinge to it. You know, it's just yeah. called May Day here. <laughs> you know, but whatever. But um, I did a whole Labor Day set, and I talked about like like you, like I grew up in, in a union family my uh family were all um civil servants teachers librarians so they had strong municipal uh unions and you know i was told very clearly like you do not cross a picket line yeah hard stop and then when i went to work in smaller progressive places like in birthday worked this place called uprisings bakery mm-hmm. there was a supermarket strike and everybody at the bakery like even though we were losing money we couldn't really afford to lose um we were like well we're not crossing that you know and so like we just hung outside with the teamsters who were on the picket line gave them bread and we said look we got to go in to take out the old bread we're not bringing the new bread and they're like right on go for it you know but that was our only you know that was it you know we were not crossing that picket line yeah delivered bread and like honestly like because it was in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, the supermarkets really miscalculated, and they they pretty much lost big. Yeah, 
now actually supermarkets in the Bay Area uh, in, in California are a primary union job. Like it's very, very common for people to be in a union because they work at a supermarket, which I honestly had never heard of before I moved no. to California. So good for them. It's wonderful. That's yeah. why I, th I think everybody should organize. Everybody who works and labors for a living should have the ability and opportunity to become a collective bargaining unit. I think that's yeah. that's only fair. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's really, and you, like reading um, from over here about like the Starbucks and the Amazon delivery workers who are unionizing, I'm like, it's about effing time. Because like that is really where the, and I, I think all of the unions have known this. I've been trying to organize those places for many, many years. And I think it's been like the Wobblies who have been the only ones who have actually been doing it. Though hmm. so I think SEIU have been doing it as well. I mean, this is before I left. So I'm sure it's changed over the past couple of years, but like, and accelerated. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad to see it though. I mean, I mean, over here, it, it is a bit different, but it's a smaller country. So it's, it's easier and at the same time harder to get things like that across to people. Um, so I'm still trying to navigate the media landscape here and try to understand and interpret what I'm reading and to kind of interpret like how broad of a base is this? Like if I see the Daily Mail talk about how those strikers are really just hurting other people because if they get paid more then inflation will go up, which doesn't make any sense, but that's that, that's the party line. That, that's the Tory line. Um, it's like, well, if inflation has gone up without wages going up, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm not quite sure what kind of, you know, and if you don't give increases, then people will be buying less. So then your economy will make less and you'll have more layoffs and less jobs and less business and less gross domestic product. You'll have more public debt and more private debt. And, you know, it's just like this weird, like Henry Ford for being an anti-Semitic Nazi sympathizer had it right when he priced his Model A's and Model T's at prices that his uh, line workers could afford. Yeah. He was like, if I make these uh, cars cheap enough for my employees to buy them, then I've just created a whole new class of consumers. And he did. Mm -hmm. You know, I just went to the, um, sorry, I, I talk a lot. No, no, that's why I wanted you on. Okay. One last story um, until the next one. Uh, <laughs> I went to the British Motor Museum um, a few days back, and they were talking about the history of the British motor car. car and I don't really know that much about it. Like, you know, Bentley, Rolls Royce, Mini, that's about it. Aston Martin. Oh, yeah, Aston Martin. Yeah, of course. James Bond. Mm -hmm. James Bond. Uh, <laughs> but, like, that that's pretty much it, you know? So, I, but it was interesting because I was reading about the early part of the late 1800s, early 1900s, and for the first 20, 30 years of the automobile in Great Britain, it was just for super rich people. That was it. There's no Model T, no Model A until Austin, uh, the car manufacturer, mm -hmm. maybe it was MG, Morris Garage was name. Anyway, I think it was Austin, came up out with a car in like 1913 that was like whatever amount of money. And that was the first affordable car. And that was the first time that um, they started to get regular people in, sorry, non-rich people in 
Great Britain into cars. And then that really helped, quote unquote, put the world on wheels, which <laughs> is good or bad, depending on your point of view. Right. But it it worked. <laughs> and so then after that, there was more and more like, you know, like the Austin Mini and the Austin, sorry, the, the Morris Minor, aka the Mini, and then the Austin 7, they were kind of made by the same people. It's basically Mini. And like a, a post war, post World War Two, and I think that was that was it. Then everybody had you know, and obviously the cars over here are tiny. Yeah, tiny. It's like you see an American car, even an American compact car over here. Like that's a that's a boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a Toyota Camry, you know. <laughs> it's I always found it astounding whenever I was in England, just how scaled, how scaled down. The vehicles actually were and it's not as if they're 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 smaller than us in stature i mean these right, are right. average size it's not like yeah. you know w w you're going to the shire yeah. <laughs> that was in the old days yeah so, that was that was before we yeah. <laughs> they yeah. gave up all that yeah but uh it, the motor the motor industry in in britain is vastly dissimilar than the united states uh in a lot of ways too because i i, I did they have motor unions like like auto automotive workers unions there they must have i don't know um i admit i did skip that part of the museum <laughs> <laughs> but they had a whole thing about like the different factories and stuff you know um i was just trying to see as many cool cars as possible <laughs> absolutely yeah so um but you no know, it, it i i assume so because I mean, unions were very, very strong here. They're still moderately strong. Um, again, it's a smaller country. So, you know, uh, people like the minor strike in 84, 84, Thatcher years, early 80s, is still a major touch point here um, of disagreement. I'll put that politely. Um, and, you know, so I mean, people definitely, and the, the, the cost of living, situation here is such that even the crazy free marketers who are current Tories are like talking, arguing about like how much assistance to give to people, to hand out to people who need it. Like they're not saying, like at first they were like, you know, we'll just give tax breaks and they'll be fine. So people were like, the people who need the help don't pay taxes because they don't make enough money to pay taxes. Yeah, they're already paying VAT on everything because it's a that's a regressive tax, like a sales tax. But they're not. But income tax, which you're cutting, like well, well, we'll cut VAT. And it's like so. Then you're going to start borrowing, like the whole thing with trickle down economics, like all those problems. I felt like I was like in a fucking time warp. You know, <laughs> I was just like, am I really reading this shit again? You know, like it's been a few decades since Thatcher and Reagan first tried to snow everybody, and you know. Herbert Walker Bush called it voodoo economics, like you said earlier in the yeah. show. Not a Democrat, definitely not a socialist, pretty rock-ribbed Rockefeller Republican. Yeah. You know, I mean, and his son obviously was worse, but still, like, yeah, no, it's it's not a it's not a thing that works. Anyway. It's been proven time and time again. And I I wonder, you know, with your prior involvement in in and community organizing and, and, in, and in politics, have you been, has the idea of being involved in politics now 
uh, come to pass, or is that just something that's in your rear view? That's a good question. I well, I joined the uh, Green Party here. Um, I can't vote over here. I still have to vote in the U.S. Um, the U.S. is one of the, parenthetically, and pretty much every expat will tell you this because mm -hmm. we're all kind of disgruntled about it. Um, every expat from the U.S. has to file taxes in the U.S. and wherever they live because the U.S. is one of only two countries in, on the planet that tax people who don't live there if they're citizens. Hard stop. It's insane. Usually what you do is you show that you you paid more than enough taxes over here, so you owe no taxes over there, but you still have to figure out how to file taxes in a different country. And that usually takes some hundreds of dollars to figure out unless you're really good at filing your own taxes. So it's, it's anyway, parenthetically over. Um, what was the question? I'm so sorry. If if you've considered Green Party, yes. So yeah. so I was a member of the Green Party in uh, California since 1992. I signed on as a Green Party member to help get the Green Party on the ballot in California. Right, I was one of the first crew because I was like, I know what it is. Like I'm an anarchist and like you know voting sucks, blah blah blah. But they're at least on the side of the angels if angels existed. So thumbs yeah. up, you know, yeah. fuck. Like me signing something doesn't. That's fine. Um, fast forward, I ran for election as a Green, lost. Uh, that was for city council in 2004. I ran for election as a Green for, oh, and these were all local nonpartisan races. So officially, it didn't matter what what party you were or if you were independent or whatever. But everybody was able to mobilize funds from their parties to help get elected. So it did help in the background. Um, so I ran and was elected as a Green to the rent board in Berkeley and then reelected twice. So I've been, I'm three and one with elections, which is pretty good for politicians. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got turned out in 2018 after 10 years, um, which is fine by me. And then the next year we moved here to Nottingham. Um, so I got a hold of the Greens here, sat in one Zoom meeting, because it was during the COVID times, the real COVID times. And they seemed awesome. And everyone was like, okay, we'll just meet up at some point because they all knew each other. And then I haven't been able to meet up with them, but I've been thinking more and more that I really need to. Um, we also went to the one big uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter thing here in Nottingham. 7,000 people showed up. Wow. Yeah, on like two weeks notice. And they were only expecting like a couple hundred, but then like it just like, you know, we showed up and we're just like, this is fantastic because we're two Americans over here, you know, who, you know, came up in, you know, the Bay Area. So we're used to Oakland's Black Lives Matter, <laughs> Black Lives Matter and like Berkeley's Black Lives Matter and, you know, just the craziness in San Francisco as well. Um, so it was wonderful to see everybody out. But at the same time, and this is going to sound weird from the guy who wrote Fuck Shit Up, mm -hmm. but I'm an immigrant. Okay. I'm here um, because of my partner's sponsorship by her employer all right if it wanted to the government here could deport me mm -hmm. i don't trust them not to find a reason so i'm trying to give them as little reason as possible oh i see 
I see. That makes sense. I hadn't considered that. Um, it's a it's a big deal, and so like it's weird because I'm seeing. I mean, I always had empathy for people who were new to the, to the United States, right? But I never, I've never been in that position until now, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. If I was a citizen, or if I had the equivalent of a green card here, which is called leave to remain, um, then I would go to that protest or I would be on the front line over there, or, you know, I would run for office or be more active in politics. But until I get my leave to remain, I, it's, it's tough because like, we love living here. Like we're done with the U S you know it's you know new chapter right here um you know maybe another chapter will be somewhere else i don't know but for now it's not you know it's england um great britain somewhere the uh but it, it is um something that definitely i think about you know um you know but i'm, I'm in a band that's not threatening the state they don't give a fuck about that yeah you know you know i say things on the radio they don't care about that you know i write things online they don't care about that what they do care about i don't know maybe they will care about that at some point they've been trying to criminalize protest in various ways uh here in uh great britain the tories have and they've been somewhat successful but there's a lot of pushback um they've been using weird lines like oh it's very inconvenient for people to um chain themselves or glue themselves to trains <laughs> moving and it's like that's what a protest is yeah literally to make things inconvenient that's what the sit-ins were about all of it that's what yeah, it's like, like and but they're i guess the term is gaslighting they're like thinking no one will you know think past the end of their sentence you know it's like well no wait that 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 is literally what they do that's the whole point that's why you have a strike it's inconvenient yeah the trains don't run the mail doesn't get delivered nobody gets past this line yeah it's like really really um bizarre to see that <laughs> and they're nowhere near as good as the u.s republicans are at it because people just like make fun of them they're like this is ridiculous it's absolutely you know and when you run into people actually i haven't i have to admit like I haven't run into anybody like that, you know, um, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's astounding to me that, uh, you know, a former childhood hero of mine, uh, in, uh, Mr. Morrissey was on television, uh, wearing that pin and it was a, a Tory pin. Was it not? It was a UKIP, which is actually worse. Yeah, that, that's what I, I knew they were like an extreme. I don't understand where this sense of nationalism comes from uh, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that occurs in older folks. Yeah. I mean, this this was a, a, a guy. We all knew Morrissey was gay, even though he said he was asexual or whatever he said he was, uh, you know, and he was always up front about animal rights. He was always like mm -hmm. he. 25 years ago, Morrissey was, was like a big glowing opinion of, of leftists rhetoric almost. And he started to turn that into some really questionable 
comments about Asia and, 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 you know, all based on the treatment of animals. And I, I understand, I guess the sentiment, but I don't agree with the presentation, but how does that make its way to yeah. something as, as messed up as you can? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, maybe it's being on an Island, you know, maybe, you know, it's like, you know, putting on blinkers and just, you know, staying in your silo. I mean, like you get to call it so the social media silos that we're all in as well, you know, and trying to not stay in them. Um, Even John Lydon, man, he, he went from being obviously uh, uh, famously anti-government, famously yeah. anti-monarchy. Uh, and then he becomes the person bemoaning the death of the queen. Like oh, a, did he actually? I had a feeling yeah. he was going to come out and do that. Of course he would. But the thing is, like, yeah. And, you know, with him, it's always like, how much of this is real? How much of this is just trying to keep your name, you know, your 15 yeah. minutes of fame going for, you know, 50 years, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, he could be just being, uh, uh, what do they call it in pro wrestling? A heel, like a, heel. a pro wrestling yeah. heel. Is, is, exactly that, right. is, is that his? Cafe Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is, is he maintaining kayfabe by uh, making <laughs> making these uh, making these strange and and disgusting comments? Like I, I don't yeah. I don't understand. But it, it doesn't really matter in the end because it's like people are like like kids don't give a fuck who who he is. Like they couldn't name you a Sex Pistols song, yeah. you know. And those of us who can are like just roll our eyes and just you know like whatever, dude. Like because Steve Jones and Glenn Matlock they tour all the time. They're playing shows all the time, you know, doing different things. And, you know, if you want to meet a Sex Pistol, you can. It's mm -hmm. like not that difficult to do. And from all accounts, like even uh, Glenn Mat Matlock and the Philistines would come out to the Bay Area. And like one of my fellow DJs at KLX was like, yeah, I hang out with him all the fucking time when he comes out here because he's super cool, totally down to earth. And, you know, they like they played like this uh, suburb called Concord um, in the outskirts of uh, the Bay Area. And you know, it's some like weird sports bar that puts on punky shows. And he was like, Yeah, he was great. We had a great time and you know, I had drinks and blah, 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 blah. You know. Um, so it's really yeah, I I think people don't treat don't give those kinds of people the respect that they think they have, because the respect they had was what they had earned through their art and music from way back when. And now it's like, yeah, whatever. It's like kind of with uh well, this one's cl closer to home. Um, uh, amoebics, like, oh, yeah, you know, that, like the that fucking hurt that hurt the Baron, as you know, um, thank had the new band called Tau Cross, who, who were phenomenal, by the way, yeah, with people from uh, Voivod and uh, Misery, and I'm forgetting the other band, you know, so it was like a really good, as you know. Uh, group and they'd done a couple records and then like the last record in 2019 they put out he thanks some weird holocaust denier because he, like, he, like so so i worked with the baron and amoebics when i ran alternative tentacles right mm -hmm. um i helped get them over here in 2009 for that string of shows across the u.s sorry over there for the u.s and was that for the reissue of uh, arise yeah and uh they uh the other record we did uh someone else has always done monolith um whatever anyway this does, doesn't matter basically uh 
so like we we you know kept the records in print. We kept the rise in print for while they were not a band for a couple of decades. You know, yeah. so they had always been on good terms with us, and we brought them over. And so then it all kind of went south because short version, they started listening to people who told them like, you guys are legendary and you guys can really make a go of it in this metal world that exists today. And problem is they were a legendary band and they were a trend setting band and they broke a lot of barriers sonically. Mm -hmm. But so many bands since then have gone so far beyond. It's like, you're just, if you're just playing the same stuff without any progression from where you were in 1983, 84, 85, 86, it's going to show, you know? Um, and so you can't go the way of being the next COC or the next, I mean, COC, Corsion Conformity, they changed their sound from yeah. Eye Against Eye and Animosity, and that's fine. And they're still a going band. They're about, you know, they're like a going concern. People expect new music from them. Mebix, you would have to do a COC basically, and that's fine. That's what bands do, mm. but yeah. And it was just this weird thing. So they went with these this other label, and it got a little messy, but whatever. And then everything fell apart. And then, without going too far into it, there was a interband situation. You know, there's two brothers in the band, Stig mm. and the Baron. Um, yeah, and so like. Tau Cross thing comes up, and so the Baron had always been into things like, like he was literally a sword maker. Mm -hmm. Like he lived in the castle and made swords. Yeah, like that's how I met him in two thousand nine over Zoom or over uh, 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 Skype. That's how I first talked to him. Um, Pre Zoom days, you know. <laughs> so like he was making swords. Like talk about Dungeons and Dragons and weird spiritual like. Yeah, he was always into the esotericism and, yeah. and you know, he's he was an interesting guy, is an interesting guy. But yeah, but I think that's where, like you say, with like uh, Morrissey, like he went further afield and then you go into the, get into the weird runes, people who are like crypto fascist, but aren't ballsy enough to say it, mm -hmm. you know, who go to these neo-pagan folk things yeah. but with good people, like people like Steve, Steve Von Till. Who do go to those things and perform there and they're totally anti-fascist and not fucking fucking around with any fucking nazi bullshit. Yeah. but then they get tarred with the same feather because you know joe blow from idaho is you know can't help but wear a fucking swastika shirt on stage or whatever mm -hmm. you know um so i think the baron kind of fell into that and then as you know the um once because the band his band members didn't know about this guy that he was thinking they're like who what and then when they found out, they were like, we're out. And label relapse was, was like, we're done. Yep. Recall them. You know, now it's a, worth a pretty penny because <laughs> there's only a handful left. <laughs> yep. But and, the then he, and then he went on and re-recorded re it with totally different people mm -hmm. and still acting as a band. So it's just it, it that hurt because it's it, it it happens all the time anymore with bands I, I love and have put, you know, a, a stock beyond just, Hey, they make good songs. Like they, they stand for something. The, the Amoebics stood for something. They were Wait, hold on. Time out. Yeah. I think you should change that to 
people who were in bands that meant a lot to you because yep. amoebics stig and spider and everybody else who was in that band have nothing to do and have literally disavowed everything that the baron has talked about yep. recently so i and that was actually kind of what i wanted to get to is amoebics is still amoebics like their art and their music still has the same meaning yeah it's fine to say by the way the one guy in this is has gone way off into left field uh right field thank you i'll be here all day um <laughs> and but it's still like you know largactyl recorded in 1982 yeah you know so sorry continue but you know it, it's something that just seems to be like occurring at, a, at an alarming rate. I mean, you have the Tau Cross Amoebix thing, the Neurosis thing, which that's just very unfortunate for Noah and Steve and the rest of them. Um, does it make me want to throw the records out? No, because, yeah, there was a bad person involved. But the art and the other remaining people still stand for something that's good and true and vital i think what people forget is people are people and sometimes they just do not adhere to the angels of their better natures yeah 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 no it's true you know i mean i get into this whenever somebody's like oh bad brains are homophobic and i'm like that's a literally a 40 year old thing yeah like 10 12 years ago they did a big interview saying like yeah we were young and dogmatic and stupid and we just love everybody and we wish we hadn't done those stupid fucking things yeah and i'm like can we stop saying that they are homophobic say they were at least get it fucking right they like, had one they had one homophobic song yes and it, it's it's terrible yeah i i remember that 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 song ruined that whole record i'm like because i loved eye against eye and i was just mm -hmm. like all right and new one quickness and then i was like oh Oh. and every well, other every other song in that record's good except for don't blow bubbles <laughs> you know? and they just reissued it with like no lyrics which i with no vocals which i thought was very interesting yeah that was a strange choice uh, i'm I would, not sure what i think about that but you know whatever i, I, I think they should have just released it as is yeah with, with how i with perhaps a disclaimer oh absolutely yeah like add context to it like i think that's awesome you know i think like because you run into this a lot where people try to well people apply today's morals and ethics to older art and it's like well yeah it's not there's very very few art artists or bands that will live up to the most progressive views of today very few uh yeah. <laughs> the longer the farther back you go <laughs> and it's like yeah the, but you have like if you ignore context then yeah sure everything's fucking evil except for the latest thing out of brooklyn yeah yeah and let's face it's facts uh, it, it, you're never going to get anybody to live up to that who who was from yeah. back then you're just not going to the question is is is, is where do you draw the line uh because it's not as if the bad brains are like in an all screwed up type of scenario where apologists are like, yeah, screwdriver are terrible people, but all screwed up's a good oil record. I kind of have to draw the line there. Mm -hmm. that's, right. that's where I draw my line. It's like Ian Stewart was 
a dogmatic, vile, racist, Nazi piece of national front loving trash. I mean, they, they went so far as to uh, fly the apartheid swastika uh, and blood yeah. and honor. And yeah, yeah. Uh, they wrote Hail I the New that. Dawn just because they had one record on Chiswick Records that, you know, Motorhead was on that label. Uh, like, well, that, that doesn't mean that you could forgive that one album. I really don't think so. That's just me. Though. Sure. But look, the, the only thing I would say to that, and I don't have much of an opinion about that album, to be really frank, um, that version of the band put out that record, broke up. Yeah. Ian Stewart started the band again, and then they were fully white power, fully national front. So there is actually a separation between, but it's it's it symbolically it doesn't really mean much and i take on what you i i i'm not disagreeing with what you're saying frankly yeah. but what i do want to say is that i learned that ian stewart died just about 20 miles away from here which i didn't know hmm. like he used to hang out uh here in nottingham towards the end of his life and um with scary people and he used to be in this town called Derby, which is just a 15 miles uh, west of here. Spelled Derby, by the way, D-E-R-B-Y, because British people are weird. They say Derby <laughs> as Darby. Darby. <laughs> Darby, yes, I don't fucking know, whatever. Um, so maybe it's Derby Crash, was it in the germs? <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I, I should ask them that next time I see him, uh, my band, but, um, but yeah, but like I figured out on the map where it is, so I'm gonna probably go out there and you know, that's I made a big oil slick or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah, like I was like super stoked. I was like, really, that's awesome. He died near here. <laughs> and they're like, they kind of, because like I had no idea, to be really blunt, because like I never really cared enough to look into it, you know. And why would you? Like, okay, the guy's dead. That's what I. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one less, one less bigot on the face of the earth. Yeah. You know, but um, anyway, but yeah, I, I think that there, there, there's a lot of wishful thinking among uh, older punks that like, yeah, I can justify my personal right wing turn by relying on some weird misinterpretation of what I have dedicated my life to up to this point. And it's like, no, you really can't. Yeah. You know, they fought the National Front over here. We fought the Nazis over there. Um, our grandparents fought the Nazis in Germany and in the imperialist Japanese in the Pacific. Um, it's pretty fucking clear, you know? Yeah. Um, and to say that you don't like Nazis or alt-right or white nationalist is not being a Hillary Clinton boot bootlicker. It's being not an asshole. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a, a a question of morals. Truly, I mean, you can't call it anything. You, you can't read more into it than that. I mean, it it should be intrinsic to who we are as, as people. We we look at what Nazis did to Britain. It makes the idea of the National Front make no sense to me. How yeah. that could have been given rise to, and sadly, I think they still sort of, kind of exist there. Well, it's it's became this thing called UKIP, UKIP, mm -hmm. and then like there's definitely strains of the Brexiteers 
who adhere to that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of the super nationalists, the super Brexiteers, are definitely on the same wavelength. Um, very few of them would would admit to that level of hatred, but it shows through their actions and who they support. Like there was this woman, Pretty Patel, who was the Home Secretary. I think she was Home Secretary. Is that right? Anyway, she was in charge of immigration and refugees, and she put in this thing where, so say you're from Syria, you're fleeing the war there. Um, parenthetically, because of Brexit, it's actually much more attractive to migrants to come to, to make it all the way to the United Kingdom because of Brexit, there's no reciprocity, reciprocity. Reciprocity. Reciprocity, thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in terms of returning migrants. So once they get here, they are, they're not set, but they have a much better chance of staying, especially if they have, you know, relatives here, which many people do. So, and these are refugees, so they're applying for asylum. So they are fleeing war, they would be murdered if they went back home because they are the wrong party, the wrong gender, the wrong sexuality, from the wrong town. It's, you know, Bathist, Syria is not a pleasant place, you know, no. it's a dictatorship. So what they did is, uh, it sounds like you probably know what I'm talking about, but just for the listeners, so what Pretty Patel said, um, who is of Indian uh, extraction, no, no, no hypocrisy is great enough for a new immigrant, apparently, or an immigrant <laughs> family. Um, I mean, it's like if I did this, you know, she, 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 she her family's from here. It's been from here for, I'm sure, many, many, many years, um, definitely a few generations. So I'm not saying she's a new immigrant, but she was basically from a very non-traditionally British background, when immigrants come here to claim asylum, she was like, great, we'll grant you asylum in Rwanda. <clears throat> Not here, but in a country thousands of miles south, which has its own problems with being a dictatorship and lack of freedom of press and all the others and you know rampant poverty and all the different issues that Rwanda faces. Um, you know, a shattered cultural society um, from the uh, uh, civil wars from the past couple of decades. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's mind boggling that they were like, oh, this is a good idea. And they were shocked when people were like, what are you talking about? You know, but that's the kind of hatred that the UKIP people and the former National Front people can say, see, this is Pretty Patel. She's in Tory government, so she's okay. So that's what we want to do because they're all brown people they're sending back to there. The Norwegians who are coming over here, they're not lining up. They're not being lined up to be flown to Rwanda. Nope. Nope. It's the Syrians. It's the Iranians. It's the Iraqis, you know. It's no different than the Paki bashing of the yeah. like 1970s, 60s, just, 70s. Just with a government uh, uh, endorsement on top of it, you know? And so that's the kind of thing where, yeah, like, I mean, it's like obviously in the US, the white nationalists are much more obvious because, mm. you know, Trump gave him permission. Yep. You know, he was like, yeah. You know they're all rapists and murderers, except for the good ones. Except for and so and some good ones. 
some yeah. good people on both sides that's the other yeah. one yeah yeah on both sides both sides on both sides yeah Fuck out of here man <laughs> but anyway so the um new record is on lava socks and brass neck records Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, scene killers it's called beat 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 brassnick is here in uh united kingdom and lava socks is uh out of the east bay in california and uh alex from lava socks is also in the, this band called sarcasm which is playing the last show in december in the bay area um or last shows i think um and that's sarcasm spelled s-a-r-c-h-a-s-m so sar and chasm crevice yeah exactly <laughs> Big crevice, um, but yeah. Um, so we're super stoked because the first record on No Front Teeth, small punk label, awesome label, awesome guy, but he does basically short runs and just kind of puts it out in the world, and that's it. And we did a, a, re a repress of it, but that that's it. And you know, like we'll probably do maybe another press. I don't really know, but the um, but there's no pr promotion for it. There's nothing like this. Um, and I, I talked with Marco from No Frontier before we decided to go with, you know, Lava Socks and Brassneck. He was like, oh, that's great. You know, like, I don't do promo. Like, I just put it out into the world and let it do what it's going to do. And which is fine. But for our second record, we were like, it'd be great to have a little more reach. And also for us, it was actually really important to have somebody in the U.S. put it out as well as over here. Um, so we can get over there because my yeah. band's like, Jesse, when are you going to book us at Gilman Street? And I'm like, will we have a record over there? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> tell me when the bank holidays are. I don't fucking know when those things are. Just <laughs> up. I'm like, oh, I'm not working? Bank holiday? Oh, oh great. You know. <laughs> There's, it's going to be uh, pretty amazing uh, when you guys do come over here and play. Uh, I don't know how close to the east coast you're going to come if you get the chance to come but that would be uh i'd that'd be worth the drive for me at the very least right on worth the drive yes yes <laughs> i win i can't afford i can't afford a flight to the west coast but i can if i can drive within 10 hours i'll make well, it you're in the right place between new york boston and philly and the yeah. dc baltimore i mean i want to play my hometown of philly you know um I think we'll probably end up doing, but things like flights are not cheap, but it's doable to do a week or two West Coast and separately do a week on the East Coast. I think that's totally possible. Um, you know, maybe there'll be some kind of festival we can hook up with. Um, I don't know. I've, Criminals played the fest games for once. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I was there. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I try not to miss the fest if, if yeah. at all possible, just because that it seems like they cater to a very specific era that uh, yeah. I enjoyed uh, yeah. quite a they, lot. You know what do. I mean? I just um, don't know that if the scene killers are part of that uh, era. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but certainly of the same spirit and you know it, you've seen killers do have a, a, a pretty massive pedigree in you so i mean it makes sense that it, it's it's all the same language yeah and tv crime is more melodic band than the hit priests mm -hmm. and i think if they 
were able to stay together and do the U.S. properly, I think people would be like, what is this? Mm -hmm. That record, that last record they put out is really effing good. Um, yeah, TV crime for sure. Uh, they're on Bandcamp. Um, hip priests are more kind of fast and loud, kind of Zeke, Turbo Negro, just awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they all have like matching de denim jackets, you know, <laughs> with different patches on it. You know, it's super cool. Um, great, great band. Um, the singer has raccoon eyes. <laughs> Never a bad look for a lead singer. Yeah. Pretty great. Um, so if you wanted to kind of like leave my listening audience with any kind of sense of, of, of uh, you know, what your mission is with scene killers, what, what, what would that be? What do you think the, the end, you know, statement of the existence of this band and of its recorded output thus far? What does that mean to you? What is the, the mission statement that is at the core of it? Well, mine is probably going to be different from my bandmates. <laughs> sure, sure. Good thing they're not here. Don't <laughs> <laughs> tell them. No. Um, I think we all want to put on an uh, awesome, energetic show. Um, we love playing together. We love playing the music we're playing. And I, I've always taken the, the the approach to live shows that, like, I am less concerned with whether you love us or hate us. I'm concerned that you don't leave without having an opinion about what you just saw. Because to me, bad art is mediocre art, Yeah. right? Um, bad music is, uh, I mean, bad music is also like, <laughs> more for me, if if it's just boring, I'm like, this is, there's no hook, there's no nothing, yeah. you know, there's no engagement um, or it's very much artifice instead of authenticity mm -hmm. um and i think authenticity like we've all been doing it for years and like you know you think i or you can rattle off bands and who was in which band and what they did and the, these guys that i'm playing with like they do it with bands whole sets of bands i'm like i've only heard of you know mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, like you know bands like heresy or mm -hmm. heresy or napalm death or you know, whomever, and you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, wait, and we're leather face into snuff. Into, and I'm like, holy fuck. I, I, a whole bunch of different bands that I have to, you know. I, I have Cherry Knoll right behind me. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of these bands, obviously, but at the same time, like, I don't know that the guy from Snuff was also in this band. And then also, in the, you know, and then like the basis, the third basis was. So it's a joy. I, I'm always learning something. But um, but personally, like I want to have people have an awesome time, have a memorable time. But also, I, I do talk a lot. I don't talk a lot on stage because I'm trying really, really hard not to, because I have a lot to say. Mm. And my band is thankfully impatient, <laughs> so they don't let me say that much. And that's fine because it's a partnership, right? Like a band is a partnership, so it's not like they're stopping me from doing something. It's like we're agreeing okay i'm going to talk for 30 45 seconds or what you know however long and then we're going to go through three songs and then i'm going to you know and also i understand that so when i talk about the song beat 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 about black lives matter they black lives matter here there's not as high a body count okay mm -hmm. 
people know what it is. They understand it's important. They see police and law enforcement brutality often here. It's very rare that someone is killed by a police officer um, for all the reasons you can imagine. Um, so what I would say here would be different from what I would say in the US. That makes sense. So yeah. that's always an interesting thing to kind of try to do. Um, also, I have two songs about motorcycles, riding motorcycles. <laughs> you kind of can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I wanted, I tried to stop myself from giving a public service announcement about fucking getting off your fucking phone and turning your fucking head when you're riding in your fucking four wheel death machine because I don't want you to kill me. Yeah. How do you say that in a way, in an entertaining way? That's, so I'm having a good time trying to figure this kind of stuff out. Um, so yeah, so come out and have a great time and hopefully you'll hear something that's interesting uh, or something you didn't know or something you didn't know. And then we're also pleasant people to be around for the most part. So come hang out. Folks, what's not to love about Jesse Townley? What a what a person, what a what a life he's lived and he's still doing it. He's still giving us that great music. He's still out there using his voice for something positive and relevant and beautiful. We broached every topic possible. I really got into the meat of what this guy is truly about and as I said, I've been enjoying his music since 1990. And I won't stop listening. I, I love the scene killers. I love everything he's ever touched. I hope you do too. I'm sure you do too. If you listen to my show, I'm sure you love punk rock. And I'm sure Blatz and all of his other bands have meant something to you in one way or another. And the scene killers should be no different because they're just as good as all of those bands. But they're relevant and they're happening right now. So go out there. Get yourself a copy of Beat Beat Beat. Get it on vinyl. Get it on digital, sure, why not? But get the vinyl and really live it and love it and let it consume you. That being said, he's been Jesse. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. And from all of us at 3.33 a.m. Studios, this has been the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. Go kiss your mother. Be a good person. Love your life. <laughs> oh, man. Please like, subscribe, share. So whatever you want, man. If you, if you like what I do, just listen and let me know you're loving it, and I'll be a happy man. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>